Good morning. Glad to have all of you guys with us here this morning. Just want to go over a couple of announcements as we uh, start. I'd encourage you to open up your bulletin and uh, look along. Uh, the flowers here have been placed in memory of Edna Curran. Tonight we're going to be having uh, the hymn sing at 6.30, as well as youth group uh, at 6.30 as well. Uh, this week you'll see that we have our uh, deacon meeting on Tuesday, and on Wednesday we are having the youth group pool party. Uh, it's going to be at the Sherman's house. Uh, uh, we're really excited about that. That starts at 6 o'clock. Looking forward on August 19th, uh, we're going to be having a men's kayaking trip. Uh, really looking forward to this. Uh, it's gonna, uh, we're going to meet at the church at 8 and return around 3.30. Uh, so information and the sign-up sheet is back there uh, on the bulletin board. Uh, see David Fedora with any questions about that. We have some ministry opportunities here. Um, the nursery is looking for uh, some extra workers. Uh, so if you're uh, interested in being a part of that, please talk to Beth. And we're also getting ready to start up uh, Olympians and Gopher Buddies pretty soon. So uh, if you're going to be involved with that, please uh, talk to Cindy about that. Uh, we're also uh, uh, continuing our pursuit of, for safety and security from our church. Uh, so we're looking to compile a list of individuals uh, from our congregation who are medical professionals, EMTs, or have other types of certificates. So if you fall into any of those categories, uh, please reach out to the church office about that. Uh, those are all the announcements, so let's begin uh, the service with a word of prayer. Lord, we do just praise you this morning for uh, just who you are, the creator of the universe, Lord, when we think about uh, the magnificence of the world around us, of the universe around us, we're reminded that you are the one who designed and created it all. And Lord, we praise you for that this morning, but we also praise you that you are not uh, some far-off God who created the universe and uh, leaves, it to go, uh, leaves it to be, but that you came and you care about each one of us this morning. And Lord, as we gather together in your house, Lord, you're with us, you're here with us, and Lord, we do just pray that your spirit would be with us and move among us. We do just pray that uh, everything that we do this morning would be honoring and glorifying to you, Lord, as we lift up our voices in song, as we open up your word and hear from you. We pray that you would be magnified within our own hearts. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. Psalm 91, verse 4. He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and your rampart. Let's sing some songs right now and praise the one who is faithful. Please stand. Stars. 
be seated. Must tell you our problems today. Lord Jesus, we must tell you what we're going through. Because you are Lord, and because you care, and because you understand. You left heaven, you came to earth, you became one of us. You were tempted and tried in every way, suffered like us. And so, Lord, you're a God who loves, you're a God who knows, you're a God who understands. And so, Lord, it's our delight to have this time of prayer to share our needs with you. Uh, to pray for those in our, our church, and to, Lord, to know that uh, you are the God above it all, the God of a billion stars, the God who's in control, and yet the God who is man became one of us. And so, Lord, we praise you this morning, and we bring our requests before you, asking for your help, asking you to heal, asking you to change things, asking you to change lives, to open up hearts, to touch people with uh, with your presence and your blessing. Lord, this morning we begin our prayer by praying for our brother Dave Fedora. We pray for him as he's uh, not here this morning. He's at the hospital. We pray for him as he's dealing with this AFib. We pray, Lord, for healing for Dave. We thank you, Lord, that he got a good report this morning, a good EKG. We pray, Lord, that uh, Lord, you would heal his body. We pray, Lord, that the medicine would work and do what it's supposed to do. We pray, Lord, that his heart would stay in rhythm. We pray for him today as, uh, as he's uh, waiting to meet with the doctor. We pray, Lord, that that would be a good meeting, that that would go well. And we pray that, uh, that Dave can come home soon. We also pray, Lord, for his family. We pray for, uh, uh, for Dale and a uh, long day at the hospital yesterday. We thank you that Dale's here with us this morning. And, Lord, we pray for her in all this. Give her strength. Uh, help her to wait on you. Uh, we pray for uh, Cindy, who's there now at the hospital with David. We pray, Lord, that you would uh, bless her for being there with him. We also pray, Lord, that you would uh, just bless the Fedora family as they go through this. And, uh, Lord, we just uh, pray that everything will get uh, checked out and that Dave's heart would be, uh, would be working well. Lord, we uh, pray this morning for those uh, families that are grieving. We uh, thank you, Lord, for the, the services for David Mitchell. We pray for the Mitchell family, for Kelly, uh, uh, for the boys, for Faith. Uh, we pray, Lord, that you would be with them during these quiet days, as things kind of uh, slow down after the funeral, we pray that you would be with them in their, their grieving and in their quiet moments. We thank you, Lord, for just the, uh, the testimonies that were shared at the funeral, and uh, we pray that your word would not return void. We pray, Lord, you'll continue to <coughs> comfort uh, the Mitchell family and all those families affected by David's passing. And Lord, we pray this morning for uh, the Corridan family. We thank you, Lord, for those services yesterday, for those who came, and for the, uh, the great tributes that were given about Edna's life. We thank you for Edna's steadfast faith, and we pray, Lord, that you would continue to strengthen our faith as we, continue, as we think about the example uh, of, these, of those who have gone before us. Uh, we pray you'll be with uh, Herb and the family as they travel back to uh, uh, their homes. We pray you'll be with uh, Todd and Mindy and, uh, Lord, just each one as they continue to remember Edna. Lord, we pray for, uh, Lord, those who are expecting life. And, uh, Lord, we know that uh, families continue, the generations continue. We pray for Alex and Holly as they're expecting their little one to be born this week. Uh, we thank you that 
uh, babies in the right position. And uh, Lord, we just uh, uh, pray for follow-ups with the doctor. We pray for your perfect timing and perfect will for uh, the birth of this little girl. And we pray that uh, she'll just be a great blessing to the Croches. Uh, we pray for Holly's health in all this. Give her endurance uh, to make it to, uh, to the delivery. We pray for a safe and healthy delivery. And uh, Lord, we look forward to uh, uh, hearing about uh, the birth of this baby this week. And Lord, we also pray for Sarah Fedora Louder as she's uh, expecting to have her delivery soon. Uh, Lord, we pray for her to have a safe and healthy delivery. We pray for Sarah. We pray for, for Rob and all this and all the arrangements with the, the children. And uh, again, Lord, we pray for uh, Dave and Dale as they have uh, plans to go up and see them. We pray for all that to work out. Lord, we pray for other needs. We pray for uh, sure, Miller, uh, we pray, Lord, that his uh, white blood count would go back up. Uh, we pray, Lord, that you would uh, help Sherm as he gets ready for his next round of treatment. We pray for Gail Brown. We thank you that her surgery went well. We pray, Lord, you'll help her with the pain and soreness she's experiencing. We pray for uh, David Schaefer, uh, Sarah Jane's nephew. We thank you that he's home from the hospital. Uh, we pray, Lord, that you would uh, give him good health as he's dealing with these heart and liver issues. Lord, we uh, pray for all those on our malignancy list. Lord, those who are going through different illnesses or suffering, we continue to pray for uh, uh, Ed's uh, Plumber's uh, recovery from stroke. We pray for Joanna Bond, Glenn Clement, Patrick Foster, Bill Fox, Hazel Lacey, Mike McGowan, uh, Rosie's brother Chuck. Uh, we pray for Josh Thomas, pray for Nate Thomas. We pray for uh, Ethan, uh, who uh, uh, this uh, young man that uh, that Linda knows. We pray for Tom and Margaret, friends of the Demcos. We pray, Lord, that you would uh, just be uh, their portion. We pray, Lord, that you would give courage to those who are facing illness or going through a time of suffering. And uh, Lord, we know you love these folks, and we pray, Lord, that you would be with them in a great way during their suffering. Lord, also, we pray this morning for our Missionary of the Month, uh, this uh, new month of August. We pray for Chosen People Ministries. We pray, Lord, that they would have a great gospel outreach uh, up in New York and uh, in Israel and, and around the world. Uh, we thank you that we have an uh, opportunity to support them. We pray for Mitch Glazer, uh, who we've had at our church a number of times. We pray that you would give him wisdom, uh, help him to keep, uh, keep his eyes on you as, as the leader of that, of that ministry. And Lord, we do pray for this month of August. We, uh, we know it's a time for vacations. We pray that you'll bless those who are traveling and being away. But Lord, we also know it's a, it's a chance to, to minister. It's a chance for fellowship. It's a chance for uh, the gospel to go forward. And so, Lord, we, uh, we do pray that this would be a productive month. We pray you'll bless every meeting of your church, bless youth group tonight and the hymn sing. Lord, we also know the fairs this week, and I pray, Lord, that you'll be with uh, uh, Gideons and CEF and, and churches and different groups that are there at the fair this week. We pray, Lord, that you'll bless the conversations up at the fair. Uh, Lord, uh, just uh, we ask that you bless the remainder of our time here today in Jesus' name. Amen. As we sing this next song, children in first through third grades are dismissed for youth church. Please stand.
seated. I'll be reading from Acts chapter 17. I'd encourage you to open up your Bibles with me. Acts 17, verses 1 through 9. Acts 17, starting in verse 1. Now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there, there was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul went in, as was his custom, and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead, and saying, This Jesus whom I proclaim to you is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a great many of the devout Greeks, and not a few of the leading women. But the Jews were jealous, and taking some wicked men uh, of the rabble, they formed a mob, set the city in an uproar, and attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring them out to the crowd. And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, These men who have turned... The world upside down have come here also. And Jason has received them, and they are all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, Jesus. And the people of the city and the city authorities were disturbed when they heard these things. And when they had taken the money as security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. The name Jason has always been a, a popular name. The name Jason's always been a popular name, along with the name Jennifer. Uh, it was one of the most popular names of the 70s and 80s. Jason means healer in the Greek. And uh, oh, we're going right to the end. And in Greek mythology, Jason is the leader of the Argonauts who went in search of the Golden Fleece. A lot of famous uh, people have been named Jason. There's been a number of famous actors. Uh, Jason Momoa, who is Aquaman, uh, has the name Jason, as well as Jason Bateman, Jason Alexander. There's been some famous singers named Jason. Jason Aldean has been in the news a lot lately. There on the right is one of the sports stars named Jason. That's Jason Kelsey of the Eagles. Uh, but the most famous Jason of all, of course, is our own Jason Heckley. <laughs> and, uh, you know, not only is he the most famous Jason that we know, but he's also our favorite Jason, too. Uh, especially that first picture on the left. I love that picture. <laughs> anyway, not picking on Pastor Jay for now. We're into our home stretch on shining stars of the early church. We're going to be working on this for the month of August, and then we'll be, we'll be done with it. Uh, we left off talking about Lydia, open hearts and open home. That was last week, and we want to pick up this week talking about Jason and suffering. Now, this topic of suffering is not a popular one. Uh, we don't like suffering, but one of the ways that you and I can shine for Jesus is through suffering. And we're going to see that in the story of Jason. 
Acts 17 begins with Paul and Silas doing ministry together. Pastor Jay talked about this a few weeks ago, how they would travel together and preach the word together. The first two cities uh, that are mentioned here are Amphipolis and Apollonia. Amphipolis was 30 miles away from Philippi, where Lydia was, and then Apollonia was another 30 miles beyond that. Paul and Silas uh, passed through those cities, but he didn't really spend much time there. And the reason is, it's believed, because they didn't have a synagogue. They didn't have uh, a synagogue or a high Jewish population. Remember, Paul's method was to preach to the Jews first and then the Greeks. And so Paul didn't stop in in those cities, but he kept going another 40 miles to get to Thessalonica, which is pictured on the right. Now, a couple things to know about Thessalonica. Thessalonica was a Greek city. It was named for the sister of Alexander the Great. Thessalonica was the capital city of the province of Macedonia. It had a population of about 200,000 people at the time. It was a major seaport. It was an important commercial center. Thessalonica was also known for its warm springs, which provided uh, healing. And so Paul would go there and establish a church in that city. Paul supported himself, you remember, in Thessalonica by being a tent maker. Paul would go on to write 1 and 2 Thessalonians to the people in Thessalonica. Thessalonica did have its own synagogue and did have uh, a large Jewish population. So this is where Paul wanted to minister. Paul goes into the synagogue and begins reasoning with the Jews. Paul's heart was for all Israel to be saved. He spends three Sabbaths in Thessalonica reasoning with them through logical argumentation and by using the Word of God. Paul had the whole Old Testament to work with. You know, if the, if the Jews asked him, you know, hey, how do we know this Jesus is really the Messiah? Paul could tell them, well, have you considered Isaiah? But he was pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities, like a sheep before his shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. And they could say, uh, yeah, yeah, and Paul could say, well, have you considered David? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Or if they asked more questions, he could say, well, what about what Micah the prophet said? Out of you, Bethlehem, shall come forth the ruler of Israel. And so Paul just gave them scripture after scripture after scripture. Look at, look at this. Look at how this talks about Jesus. Look at how Jesus fulfilled this prophecy. And this is how you win someone to the Lord, with scripture and with logic. Uh, Paul would later write the Thessalonians, we, we never came to you with words of flattery. Paul didn't rely on his charisma to win them to Christ. He let the word of God do the work. So, Paul explained to these Jews that it was necessary for Jesus to die and go to the cross for our sin. It was for my sin, for your sin, for our sins, that Christ suffered. And then Paul told them how Jesus rose again, how Jesus came back to life on the third day, how the resurrection validates everything that Jesus said, how the resurrection is the ultimate proof that Jesus is who he says he is. And Paul's conclusion is, hey, if you look at the scripture evidence, if you look at what Jesus did in his life, 
it's him. Jesus is the Messiah. He's the one that you've been waiting for, Jewish people. He's it. He's the man. And what's really cool about this is verse 4 says, some of the Jews were persuaded. That means that they believed. They believed what Paul was saying. They accepted Jesus as their Savior. And you can tell they were, pers they were persuaded because they joined Paul and Silas. Right? That was a pretty big deal to, to leave the synagogue and to join the church. They joined Paul and Silas. Big change in their lives. And they became a part of that church in Thessalonica. The passage says that Jews got saved. It also says that Greeks got saved. We know that the gospel can bring Jew and Greek together. And not just the men got saved, but Luke specifically mentions there that some prominent women got saved. Uh, we're not given the names of these women, but it's likely they were leaders in the community. Perhaps they were other businesswomen like Lydia or other caregivers like Tabitha. God opened the hearts of women to receive the gospel. So, hey, great job by Paul, great job by Silas. They preached the word and they got a good response to their preaching. But all is not well. Not everyone received the gospel on those Sabbaths in Thessalonica. Some hearts were opened, but other hearts were closed. Some of the Jews in the synagogue became jealous. They were boiling with envy. They didn't like Paul and Silas gaining a following. They didn't like that Paul and Silas were, you know, taking people away from them. And so they do something about it. The Bible says they form a mob. Right? This is what angry people do. They get other people involved. They hire some people to do their dirty work. I like the description here. The ESV has it translated as wicked men of the rabble. The King James has an even more colorful description, calls them lewd fellows of a baser sort. Right? If you really want to offend someone, call them a lewd fellow of a baser sort. So the, the point is, no matter how you translate it, the point is they were bums who were hired to cause trouble. They start a riot in the city of Thessalonica. They, they, I'm sure they got loud. I'm sure they got angry. I'm sure they started hooting and hollering and bringing attention to themselves. And they go to Jason's house. Right? This is where uh, Jason enters our story. The mob had a purpose for going to Jason's house. It must have became known to them that that's where Paul and Silas are staying. So here we go. You know, Jason does a good thing in opening his home to Paul and Silas. You know, just like we talked about, open heart, open home. He shows them hospitality, welcomes Paul and Silas into, into his home. But look at the thanks he gets. He gets an angry mob showing up at his house. And when the mob arrives at his house, Paul and Silas aren't there. The verse says uh, they could not find them, which means... They searched that house. And you know, when they searched that house, I don't think the mob was real gentle about it. You know, uh, they wanted to find Paul and Silas real bad. And so they probably would have just torn Jason's house apart, right? They would have 
you know, torn everything upside down, looked under everything, just torn the house apart, really messed it up. At last, the mob gives up. Paul and Silas can't be found. But the angry mob needs somebody to hold responsible. And so the Bible says they drag out Jason and some of the other church members. The word for dragging is the same word used when talking about dragging a net full of fish. It's, it's by force. It's dragging them. They physically put hands on Jason and bring him before the city authorities. This is a, a case of guilt by association because Jason was friends with Paul and Silas. He got in trouble. Thessalonica at the time was governed by seven politarchs or uh, city council people. And the mob starts making accusations to these politarchs about Paul and, uh, uh, yeah, Paul and Silas, Jason, and the rest. The first accusation is that these men have turned the world upside down. Now, if you think about it, Paul and Silas weren't turning the world upside down. They were turning the world right side up. You know, the world is already upside down because of sin. The world is already upside down because of corruption and greed and lies. Right is wrong. Wrong is right. <laughs> so our world needs to be turned around. It needs to be turned right side up. And so this is what Paul Silas, Jason were doing. They were doing what they were supposed to be doing. They were turning the world upside down, right side up for Jesus Christ. The second accusation that, that's made against them is they're going against the decrees of Caesar. Now, to go against Caesar was very serious on the same level as treason. And this accusation is another mixture of truth and error. Uh, Paul preached submission to governing authorities. Uh, in the Bible, you have verses like, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Uh, there's always a respect for those in authority. So uh, Paul and Silas had respect for Caesar. But on the other hand, they were preaching Jesus as Lord. And when you preach Jesus as Lord, that puts him above Caesar. There's no denying that. So, again, uh, kind of some truth and error in that accusation. Well, the seven city leaders in Thessalonica, they didn't want to hear that. They were greatly disturbed, like a disturbed bee, all buzzing, flying around, upset. That's how these leaders were. And they had Jason and the brothers arrested. The only way they would let them go is if they paid bail money. And that's interesting because that means that it actually cost Jason money for following Jesus. The next verse says that Paul and Silas were sent away by night to Berea. Uh, they had to get them out of Thessalonica. Uh, there's just too much, too much danger. They do it at night so that no one will see them. Meanwhile, uh, Jason stayed in Thessalonica he, because he lived there. His house was there, and he would help lead the church there. So that's the story of Jason, and it's, it's quite a story. So, you know, we uh, kind of look at the, the totality of this. Uh, what is Jason known for in the Bible? Having his house raided. Yeah, that's his claim to fame. Uh, well, what was Jason's contribution to the church? 
taking one for the team, getting, getting assaulted by an angry mob. You know, Jason wasn't known, you know, for being an evangelist like Philip was. Jason wasn't known for something cool like, you know, an encourager like Barnabas was or full of charitable works like Tabitha Dorcas. No, Jason's thing was suffering for Jesus. That's really all we see of him in the scriptures. And uh, I hate to tell you this, but that may be your thing. Uh, the Lord may call you, the Lord may call me to go through a time of suffering for him. The Lord may decide, this is how you will honor me, through suffering. And so that leads to a couple of points this morning. Number one, expect suffering. Expect suffering. You know, uh, Jason didn't go looking for suffering. Suffering came to him. The mob showed up at his house. The story of Jason may be surprising to us, but it shouldn't be. We live in a broken, fallen world. The world is just as hostile to Christ now as it was then. The gospel is not tolerant. The gospel confronts people, gives them a choice. Choose eternal life or choose judgment. And people don't like that. Jesus said, you will be hated because of me. The church has been persecuted for over 2,000 years. If you take a stand for Jesus, suffering will come. The word suffer or suffering is listed over 150 times in the Bible. Just uh, one example of that, Philippians 1.29, for it has been granted to you for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Now you may not be dragged out of your house by an angry mob. You may not be falsely accused before the town council. But you may be called to suffer for Christ. That suffering can come in a lot of different forms and ways. There's physical suffering. There's persecution, like we see in the passage. There's uh, emotional suffering. There's suffering with a health issue. Suffering could be false accusations, false things said about you. Suffering could be uh, being ostracized from your family, being separated from your family because of your faith. Suffering could be difficulty at school, difficulty at work, because they know you're a Christian and they don't like it. Suffering uh, could be dealing with an illness. Suffering could be the loss of a loved one. God may call us to suffer in any number of ways. And of course, that's difficult. Suffering is hard. Suffering is painful. It's very difficult to go through. Suffering is uh, not what we're used to. We're used to comfort. In fact, we really love our comfort. You know, everything about the modern church today screams comfort. You know, you have churches with comfortable chairs, churches with comfortable uh, coffee bars. Even the preaching needs to be comfortable, uh, make people feel good. There's no talk of personal suffering in most sermons. Francis Chan writes this. He says, most of us want a balanced life that we can control, that is safe, and does not involve suffering. I think he's right. You know, a nice, comfy life was not in the cards for Jason, at least not that day in Thessalonica. Once Jason agreed to host Paul and Silas, he put himself at risk 
for suffering. Dr. John White, a minister up in Canada, feels that our Western culture has become too comfortable. In his book, The, Commitment, the Cost of Commitment, cost of commitment. Uh, he writes this. He says, it would be foolish of us to assume that our present luxurious freedom will continue indefinitely. There are signs that the conditions necessary for freedom are already being eroded. Democracy is a fragile flower of late bloom, liable to be withered by the scorching winds of impatient hate. It is therefore important that we all ask ourselves, am I willing to risk imprisonment and death Christ. Many believers are not, he says. I do not wish to be an alarmist about what it costs to be faithful to Christ, and yet I must point out to both Scripture and the course of church history. I want to awaken the Western church with the blast of a trumpet, warning her that the normal conditions under which the church bears witness are not those we now experience. I believe that the darkness may be descending again, and I fear that few of us are prepared for it, what he's saying is expect suffering, not comfort. Just this week, the governor of Illinois announced he is going after pro-life pregnancy centers in that state. They will be fined $50,000 for spreading anything he deems as misinformation. That's suffering with the financial cost. Other examples of suffering, you remember the 17 missionaries who were kidnapped in Haiti. They were held for two months before they were finally released. According to Christian Post, there have been 63 reported acts of vandalism in the first three months of 2023, a significant increase over prior years. And so expect suffering. Be ready for it. Number two is to endure suffering. To endure suffering. To endure means to go through it. You know, God allowed Jason to go through this time of suffering. God allowed Jason to have his home raided, to be drugged into the street, to be falsely accused, to have to pay this money. Had Jason done anything wrong to deserve all this? No. Did, did God still love Jason? Yes, very much so. But this day of suffering was part of God's plan for Jason's life. Jason had to go through this day to the glory of God. And that's hard, right? I mean, I think if, if God told me, hey, Sky, uh, you're going to have your house raided later today. Uh, no, right? Uh, uh, Sky, you're going to be drugged into the street and be falsely accused and have to give up money at the end of the day my initial reaction would not be, great, Lord, bring it on, right? That's not, that's not how I would react. I would be very tempted to say, uh, I don't want to do that, Lord. Uh, that's, that's too much for me. That's, that's not for me. Uh, th this is not what I signed up for. Uh, I don't want to have to go through that. Lord, is there any way out of this? And so, that leads to a question, you know, why would we ever want to endure suffering? And the answer is because suffering honors God. And suffering is how we identify with Christ. Because Jesus suffered for us, we suffer for him. You know, the symbol of Christianity is a cross. 
Uh, when we have our communion time, we raise the screen, we see the cross. It's an object of suffering. It's part of following the Lord. To endure suffering, then, is to continue to serve God, even when we're being attacked or accused. To endure suffering is to continue to trust in God, even when it hurts. To, get, to endure suffering <clears throat> excuse me, is to keep pressing on and keep serving and doing what we're supposed to do. To endure suffering <clears throat> is to go through the good days and the not-so-good days with the Lord. <clears throat> Paul told Timothy to endure suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Again, the way to endure suffering is to turn to God. Deuteronomy 31.6, Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them. For it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Again, re repeat that verse to yourself. Look that verse up when you're going through your time of suffering. Let God strengthen you. Draw courage from your relationship with God. Another really good one, Psalm 27, 13. I would have lost heart. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And so the way to endure suffering is to keep seeing God, keep seeing his goodness, keep trusting in his promises. Richard Wormbrand was an evangelical minister who endured 14 years of communist imprisonment and torture in his homeland of Romania. When the communists seized Romania and attempted to take control of the churches, Pastor Wormbrand began an effective, vigorous, underground ministry to oppressed believers, as well as to Russian soldiers who were occupying his country. He was later arrested, and here's what he said about it. He said, quote, it was strictly forbidden to preach to the prisoners. It was understood that whoever got caught doing this would receive a severe beating. A number of us decided to pay the price for the privilege of preaching, so we accepted their terms. It was a deal, he says. We preached, and they beat us. He says, we were happy preaching, they were happy beating us, and so everyone was happy. Right? That's kind of an odd way to look at it, uh, but that's what helped him to endure suffering. And then our last point about it is three, exchange suffering. Exchange suffering. Our suffering is not in vain. You get to exchange your suffering for a heavenly reward. Jason is remembered for all time in the book of Acts for what he went through. Jason was rewarded, rewarded in heaven for everything that he endured that day. This helps us to endure suffering, knowing that there is a reward. Matthew's gospel tells us, blessed are you when people revile you and insult you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for great is your reward in heaven. 2 Corinthians 4.17, for this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all all comparison. We get to exchange our suffering for a crown of glory. And you know, really that, that really tough day, really bad day we read about for Jason is nothing compared to the eternal glory that he's now experiencing in heaven. 
And we look forward to the time we get to exchange our earthly suffering for a heavenly reward. We uh, sing about it in the old rugged cross. We'll exchange it someday for a crown. Of course, all this causes us to think of Jesus. You know, Jesus expected suffering. He he didn't come to earth thinking everyone was just going to love him and treat him well and worship him. No, he knew the cost. He knew he would be rejected by men. He knew he would be betrayed. He knew what the Pharisees would say to him and try to do to him. I mean, you think Jason had a bad day here in Acts. Think about the bad day Jesus had as he went to the cross. And then Jesus endured that suffering. He never turned back. He took it all, the beatings, the mockings, the crown of thorns, the nails, the cross itself. Jesus endured suffering so that our sin could be paid for. And then Jesus exchanged his suffering for glory. He's at the right hand of the Father. He lives. He's been given the name above every name. All things are placed under his feet. You know, when we suffer, we don't suffer alone because Jesus has already suffered for us. Have you placed your life in Jesus' hands? Is he your Savior today? Well, in conclusion, Jason is forever remembered for suffering for Christ. His life teaches us to expect suffering, to endure suffering, and to exchange suffering for that heavenly reward. Suffering is part of God's plan, and so the next steps are really to evaluate what is your attitude towards suffering? How do you really feel about suffering for Christ? Does your attitude about suffering match Jesus's attitude? Would you and I be willing to have a day like Jason did if it meant bringing God glory? And what if it's more than a day? What if it's a month, a year, a season? Would we endure that suffering for Christ knowing it honors him? You know, maybe you're here today and you're going through a time of suffering right now. Look to God to strengthen you in your suffering. Look at the example of Jason and be encouraged. Ultimately, look at the example of Jesus who endured suffering for us. Let's pray. And Lord, I begin the prayer by confessing I, I don't like suffering. Lord, we, we prefer comfort. We want to run from suffering. We want to hide from suffering. We want to fight against suffering however we can. Lord, help us to have a different perspective today. Lord, change our attitudes and change our hearts about suffering. Help us to see the suffering of Jason and realize that it's part of your calling. Help us to see the suffering of Christ and appreciate maybe the value of suffering and how it's part of your plan. Lord, I thank you that you are with us when we suffer, that we don't suffer alone, that we have these examples, that we have you, we have Christ in us, we have your presence to cheer us, to guide us, to help us through. Lord, I do pray a special prayer for anyone who's really suffering today, that, Lord, you would strengthen, encourage, help, support, listen, carry them, take them by the hand, and bless them. And Lord, uh, there may be some today who haven't taken that first step. They've been suffering alone for all these years. Lord, help them to place their faith in Christ. Help them to put their whole trust in you and ask you into their heart. We pray all this in Jesus' name.
Amen. As we sing this song and prepare for communion, remember what Jesus did for us on the cross. Please stand. Please be seated.
You know, it's interesting. You can talk about Jesus and uh, how nice he is and how God loves you and all those kinds of things. Uh, but eventually, you have to talk about the cross. You have to talk about what took place there. Jesus giving his body as a sacrifice for us. Jesus shedding his blood to cover our sins. And that's suffering. But it's suffering that is good because he did it for us. He did it out of love for us. It's suffering that's good because of what it, what it accomplished. It paid for our salvation. And so our communion table is the remembrance of that. We remember what Jesus did for us. We don't believe that taking this bread, taking this cup, save you. You're saved by putting your faith in Jesus. Well, this is in honor of him. This is in remembrance of him, of what he did for us, how he saved us on the cross, how his suffering paid for our freedom. The Bible calls us to examine ourselves before partaking of communion, and so let's take a moment to just quietly talk to the Lord, silently confess any sins to him, and think about how uh, think about Christ's suffering did for you and think about how we react to suffering. Albert, would you pray over the bread? Our Father, we do thank you uh, for the gift of your Son, the sacrifice that he made for us, Father. We think of the suffering that he went through, uh, the beatings, the whippings, the death on the cross, Father, to save us. Father, may we be willing to do the same, to suffer for the sake of Christ. We pray this in your name. Amen.
On the night he was betrayed, that suffering, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and prayed, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After supper was over, he took the cup. Joe, would you pray over the cup? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be here today. We thank you, Lord, that we can remember the suffering. We know that that suffering led to shedding of blood. The shedding of blood is what covers our sins, Lord. We thank you for that. We ask your blessing upon this time and each one that's here. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.
Jesus said, this is the cup of my blood, shed for you and for all, for the remission of sin. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us pray together in the words our Savior gave us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and glory forever. Amen. When we go through those times of suffering, we can be comforted in knowing that our Savior loves us and that he holds us. Please stand as we sing.
You know, I really hope you don't have a day like Jason did this week. But if you do, if you do, he will hold you fast. He will watch over you. You know, if, as I mentioned, if you're here today and you are suffering or you've been going through a time of suffering, we would love to encourage you. We have the, uh, the deacons up here. We can also have some, uh, some ladies present, deaconesses to help. Uh, we would love to encourage you, support you through your time of suffering. Uh, and so the altar will be open at the conclusion of the service. Lord Jesus, we thank you again for, for suffering for us. Lord, we've read uh, about the crucifixion. We've read about the days leading up to your death so many times, and yet it still amazes us all the suffering that you went through for us. Father, turning his face away from you, all the, the physical pain, all the emotional pain. Lord, we pray that you would help us in our suffering today. Lord, help us to have the attitude of the Savior. Help us to have the attitude of Jason and be able to endure suffering. Lord, strengthen us, encourage us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm -hmm.